I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's going on, Travis? Um, I don't know, but that sounded jazzy. Yeah. Yeah! All right, so uh, we got a good one today, Trav. Do we have a good one today? I don't know, because I rolled the thing, and the thing was, this, this is, this is the, the sentence that, that I rolled, was the weirdo PC at the table. That's right. This is, this so, is my standard method so of So when your, com- your personal computer is weird at the table, <laughs> what does this mean? I don't understand this. Side question. Does anyone actually call? Does anyone say personal computer anymore? Has that they ever- don't say personal computer anymore, but they do say PC. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, it's one of those abbreviations that's kind of lost all meaning. Yeah. All right. Politically me- correct personal computer. Who knows what it means? I don't know. It's 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 personal. They don't say politically correct bad. anymore. I don't even know. There you go. Okay. So let me set this one up for you, Trav. This yeah, one is near and dear to the my weird OPC at the table. What is it? Okay. So, Trav, you and I have been doing this role-playing thing, both as players and GMs, for quite a quite a majority of our life. Long time. Right? And I am sure you've had this as a GM, where you sit down and you say, we're going to be playing a game, and the game's going to be kind of about this and in this tone and in this place. Mm-hmm. And then someone's like, I want to play a monk. Correct. Yes, I, that, that's that's become so normal, normalized now, Trav. Right now, mm-hmm. for like in the old days in Second Edition, we started that was left field, was right out there. It was, yeah, yes. But but that's and, and now that's just like the, the 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 Overton window has moved on that one. Uh, but yeah, yeah sure. So what's the what's that? What's the new version of that though? Uh, like, like I, I, I want to play a tiefling, you it, know. Even tieflings are in the base players oh, now. Oh man, what is what is weird now? I'm so old. I want to play a Vidalkin. I'm sorry. Okay, what? What? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that is. Well, you see, the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica came out. Wait, hold on, let me oh, back this no. up. Okay, so Ravnica is a ma- is a world in Magic yeah, the Gathering. Magic Gathering, yeah. Right. And Vidalkin are blue magic people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they have rules for all the different races from the magic world in that book, and sure, you can use sense. them in normal D and D games. So they have like minotaurs and stuff like that, and one of them that they have is Vidalkin. Uh, that's a left field choice, right? You're right. in the Forgotten Realms. You're playing, let's call it a standard fantasy D and D game, and somebody's like, "I want to be a Vidalkin." What? Uh huh. Okay. Uh, race is often the pick here. Uh, that makes you a weirdo. I, like I am classically this guy. I'm not gonna okay. lie, Trav. This is near and dear to my heart because I am. I do this all the time. In a previous episode, I mentioned Danger, my goblin. Right now, yeah. given that was an Underdark game, so probably more appropriate there. I think. Mm-hmm. Right, that's not that weird when it's an Underdark game. Like we had, we had Drow stuff like that. So I was probably normal. But at that table, Trav, we also had a Mog. You know uh, what a Mog is? The big stone half guy? Half man, half dog? Uh, I'm a Mog. <laughs> uh, no, I know what you're talking about, yes. Yes, yeah, the big stone guys. That's the weirdo at the table in that game, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about is something that is so far out of the ordinary that, that it's, it sticks out, like, within the party. So, like, if a, if, a, if a player wants to play something so out of left field, 
this is what we're talking about. Correct. Yes. Like I said, I think in most games, uh, this comes up by race, but it doesn't have to. Right. It could um, be technology I, level or, you know, yep. whatever. Like yep. if you're it, imagine, imagine like here, here's a game where it's hard to get the weirdo at the table, I think is rifts. It's hard to get the weirdo at the table because you can play so much. In Rift, everybody's right? the weirdo at the table. Yeah, right. Everybody is the weirdo at the table, except when like here, here, everybody, everybody's made something awesome, like, like a, like a dragon juicer and a dragon itself and a godling and uh, a, a power armor jockey. Sure, and sure. then someone's like, I, I really want to play a rogue scholar. <laughs> right. Yes. That's okay. a great example. Yeah. Where so, you can have these and, wild and, power and, differentials. Yeah. So the, ro- the rogue scholar is just a guy in a Jeep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like he just drives a Jeep around and he has like books and some binoculars. He okay. and he knows things. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas everyone else in the party has some kind of like they could, they have, they have, they have skill. We have skills, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it could be all, all kinds of different ways this could be approached, certainly. Oh, absolutely. Like, let's take a MechWarrior game, for example, right? Our old friend mm-hmm. MechWarrior, a, a game world that I have just an, a, an unending fondness for the world of MechWarrior slash Battletech. I'm about to dig into that Battletech uh, strategy game, so yeah. Oh, very nice. I'm into it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I love everything about that crazy world and its politics and the houses mm-hmm. and the clans and just just everything, everything, everything and the way they defined eras. It's so well-crafted and deep, and I love it. Anyway, here's a game. I'm a GM. I'm going to run a, a MechWarrior game, and I say, okay, in this game, we're going to focus a lot on on mech combat. You know, we're going to do a lot of that. You guys are going to be a lance. And one of the players is like, okay, that's cool. I'm dispossessed. I don't have a mech. <laughs> And I'm like, did you, did you just not listen to what I said? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I want that to be part of my story. I don't have a mech. And it's, you know, I'm willing to not participate in the vast swaths of the game that are going to be, you know, in a mech piloting around or something. You so can just so would you say storage? Would you say this would also, this would also account for something like the hacker at the table in a Shadowrun game? I think Shadowrun is one of those games where it's hard not to have weirdos because everybody's so unitasking in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that it almost generates everybody just being so siloed, it's it's hard to do it. And I think that's ultimately what this comes down to. I think most games can have this happen, where characters exist either often because of their their background and race, if you're talking about traditional mm-hmm. fantasy, but as you said, it can also be their capabilities or their power level or whatever, uh, where they have siloed themselves off to where they don't integrate into the normal story, world, themes, verisimilitude, yeah. whatever the hell you want to say, right? In a way that is, in a way that's at all grokkable, okay? So, Classically, this is me trying to shove modern into everything. <laughs> like, I haven't met a game world yet, Trav, where I can't get a modern in it. You can't get it. some modern in it, yeah. Where I am ready to go rogue, all right? Call me Tom Cruise, because I'm going rogue, okay? Immediately. And I just, I love playing those little guys. They are so fun to me, but they just... Where does that fit right. in what so other than Planescape, obviously, where it's other perfect. than Planescape. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Where, again, you're the <sighs> the weirdo is the person from the prime who's like, right. I don't know what any I'm of Farmer this is. Bill. Yeah. What is going on? Yeah. 
<laughs> that's the weirdo there. Uh, so so how how do you handle that? Yes. How do you as a GM handle you, this? So is do, you, do you just say no or do you say yes, but? Okay. Do you want to know my rule of thumb? As yeah, let's, let's, I want to hear I, your rule of thumb. What, what do you do? Okay. Here's my rule of thumb. Uh, my rule of thumb is I allow one weirdo at the table. Mm, just one. Okay. Just one. Yep. So, so who gets dibs? Whoever calls it first or has the, like, if two people call it, go fight amongst yourselves. I don't care. Decide in the Thunderdome. So, so why, why, why did you choose one? Uh, because I think classically, when you look at sort of story structure, it's often useful and interesting. And a lot of stories will do this where they'll have some outsider as a, as a featured member of the cast, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who isn't uh, as ingrained or part of right. the. So for, for example, if you take, if you take, um, the Kevin Costner Robin Hood movie, you had Azim the Great One. Absolutely, yes, that's a great who, who example. Is, who is the the weirdo, right? He's the the yep. outside, the element, and he has a mirror weirdo in in the evil witch, right? Like, yep. like the NPC evil weirdo is is the witch. So that's that that would I think that's your example, right? A hundred percent. That's such a good example, right? Because I find that like having one, you know, player piloting a character who has an outsider's perspective mm-hmm. to that world, that culture, that the themes, the whatever allows them to kind of sit back and go, really, you know, this is kind of stupid. So, so let me give you a classic well, example. Tax from downwind and stinks of garlic, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A, the, the other, the other point of view. Um, but the problem arises when you're trying to tell the Three Musketeers story and yes. everyone wants to play a monk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Will yeah. someone, for, for Christ's sake, will someone play a swashbuckler? Would somebody just pick up a sword? It's kind of <laughs> important here. Right? Right. Yes, and that's why I limit it to one. Um, let me give you a good example of where the, that people might not be thinking of, but where I think this is actually really masterfully deployed. You ready? Star Wars. Like okay. Star Wars, original Star Wars, the first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The world we're introduced to is insane. It's insane in Star Wars, original Star Wars. We meet like a weird old hermit wizard, uh, a young kid, the force, lightsabers, talking droids, sand people. Yeah, it's just insane. Who's the weird one you meet in A New Hope? Uh, Luke? I don't know. I think it's Han. Han, okay. Han is weird. Now, when, when you know, years later, again, look back, like, try to look at A New Hope through the eyes of only A New Hope existing. Like, okay. imagine all you know of Star Wars is the first hour and 20 minutes of Star Wars A New Hope. And there's no other books, no other movies, no other canon, no right. other nothing, right? The world you're introduced to is has Han as the weird one in this group that's been established of two weird robots, uh, a talking or an, a, a growling pseudo talking dog, uh, a space wizard and a young kid apprentice space wizard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The smuggler seems like who's right, just he's like, just he's literally just a truck driver. Like that's yeah. who this guy is. This <laughs> is all stupid. What does any right. of this do? He doesn't seem like he fits in with the rest of the mm-hmm. story. He's weird vis-a-vis all the other characters there. Now, of course, we all know 
when we zoom out to the rest of the Star Wars universe, that in fact, there's nothing that weird, you know, right. like people like Han would be fairly common, whatever, whatever. But, but at first glance. Yeah, he, he's weird within the lens we're given to view the story. So that's why I think it's valuable, right? Because being the one outsider lets you take a different perspective to the rest of the party. It it creates interesting character tension because if everybody else has a shared background, they're all from, you know, let's say sort of a similar geographic location. They're all from races that relatively get along. And then all of a sudden there's an oppressed lizard man, right? Who's like, who has eaten people, <laughs> right? Yep. And has been pushed to the edge of starvation. His people have been pushed to the edge of starvation by the elves and the humans who forced him into the deepest, darkest part of the swamp. Okay, that lizard man has a real different attitude about right. the rest of the world than the PCs do. Right? I think I think I think I'm with you on it. Um as far as the the one one at the table, I I would I would go further and say a proportionate amount to how many people are at the table. because uh, again, if you're at 12, maybe you can fit two. Sure. Um and I, I'm not sure um like what 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 at what point I would cut that off at. I I would probably uh, at at the point at which the story becomes garbled because of how many there are is the point you should cut it off, right? So, yes. so stop, stop allowing weird PCs at the table at a certain point. Like, just know, know your cutoff point. Absolutely. If both Han Solo and Dash Rendar were running around in A New Hope, that would have felt not as weird. interesting and weird, right? Right. Um, the... The presence of the the outsider, the weirdo, the different as a singular force actually helps increase and make it more valuable the role that they play. It sort of it gives them a, a distinct space to operate within when everybody's weird. No one's weird. Right. That's the Planescape story we were talking about or, or you know, riffs or whatever. But I think when you've got it too much of the party being weird. What ends up happening is people's own motivations, the 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 lizard man motivation about the swamp and the Videlkin who wants to make magic craft and get back to his home world or whatever he's on about, you know, and the Minotaur who uh, who is trying to build the perfect maze. Like, I don't care whatever they happen to be about. Right. When suddenly mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. has these extremely divergent goals that because of the nature of who they are, that's when it gets muddled, right? right? Um, whereas when it's one, maybe two in weird, you know, in, in appropriate situations, it actually becomes something that can be motivating and more importantly, can be a good sidetrack for the main story itself right right it can get you it can get you out of the out of the norm out of the 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 like a regular thing like okay we you know we, we fought in a dungeon and then we um went into a city and fought some some guys in the streets or whatever and oh my goodness now we're gonna go over to a lizard man swamp what right <clears throat> you can do a data episode yeah right um like that's to to reference obviously star trek tng Data was a weirdo amongst the crew, right? Amongst that sort of the, the bridge crew, that is to say. Um, and, you know, the, the ability to go and do a Data episode lets you explore different themes, different ideas, right? But still within the broader scope of what Star Trek was all about. Um, 
And I would say that perhaps there were two weirdos because you could also make the same argument about Worf, I suppose. Sure. Uh, and so there, there's a case where, no, in fact, having two didn't dilute anything. It just made it interesting uh, because they were all united. Original Star Trek had one. Plot. So they right. doubled it. <laughs> they doubled it in the next gen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because I assume you're saying that Spock, Spock is, is the weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great example, right? When we did Spock-focused episodes or let Spock operate from his own perspective— Though, obviously, if you subtract Spock from the original series, that show is greatly diminished because um, of that. Yes. Right. Um, his different perspective it was was so highly valuable in shaping the stories that were told. So to me, I think that what you have to do as a GM when you have this, you know, sort of very different weirdo character is. I think you know what we should what we should cover on here, Travis. How we've dealt with it in the past. Okay. And I think the way I've dealt with it is largely by one putting in situations that will allow them to express their opinion yes, in a I way agree. that creates interesting tension, valuable tension, virtuous mm -hmm. tension, right? Uh, so. Again, making them make decisions where that person, the party has to make a decision and this outsider has a very different perspective on it. All right. And that gives them a chance to evince that perspective, as it were, um, to doing those data or Worf or Spock episodes. Right. Where every so often the story shifts focus and right, we, we need to explore that because that person needs some time. In the yeah, fall. we exactly. We go over and we do a very them focused adventure or series of, of games or whatever. Right. And three, make sure that they don't stay completely an outsider. And I think this is one of the most important things you do. You have to their their presence as an outsider and their distinct background or whatever makes them weird or different is valuable. But you don't let that be the only thing that defines them forever, because then they just become one note. Right. right? You have to allow also, them to be engaged in the story in, in, in real yes. ways as opposed to just the manufactured backstory. Yes. Have NPCs who don't find them as weird and are willing to deal with them as they do any other member of the party. Have their skills be valuable toward the larger central plot or story that is happening, right? So they feel they are distinct and they have their unique element that sets them apart, but they're also still part of the grander narrative. So as as the player of the weirdo, you, people see this. This is I don't, I don't want to skip over this because you, you who are the person who is about to throw this weird, weird friggin PC at your GM and the and your game group. You need to realize you have a responsibility to the other people at the table. OK, first, first and foremost, 100 percent. Second, you got to You got to recognize that being the weirdo immediately puts you in a territory where you may not see anywhere near the amount of the spotlight as the other people at the table. Mm -hmm. You got to know that, look, dude, you're going to play Spock. Guess what? You're not Captain Kirk. You're never going to be Captain Kirk. All right. Right. <laughs> the story right. is about Captain Kirk. All right. It's not about Spock. It's only sometimes about Spock. So you have to know that you're Azim the Great One, not Robin Hood. All right. Yep. Um, the story's called Robin Hood, not Azim the Great One. Um, so, so you, you have to be a responsible player in that way and understand where what you're going to get into when you do something like this. Um, and you need to recognize that you are directly affecting the fun of everyone else at your game table. So approach it appropriately. 
I think that's exactly right. I think it's as as with almost anything we discuss when we come to like, well, who's responsible for this? Everyone is, of course. Everyone is. But it's but I think with this case, that's always the answer, right? It's always this is a collaborative experience. And so Mm -hmm. everyone is responsible to some degree. Uh, But the the element of it, I think, that is most strong here is it has to be a joint effort between you, the person who's decided to pilot the weirdo, the different character, the standout, the outsider, whatever you want to define it as, and the GM that you, as a player, know that you're not going to act, you know, like kind of a jerk and try to make the story constantly about you and derail everything. That's not what you're doing. If you want the story to be tightly tied to you and who you are and your background play one of the normies yeah yeah play one of the normies that's there that's them right they come from the villages that were burned by the evil warlords right you have to approach it a different mindset you really do exactly and i think once you're on that level there's so much that's fun to explore here I think it's why I love playing this type of character. I mean, I've I've done this so many times is play the weirdo, play the outsider, that kind of thing. Because I always I, I somewhat enjoy being the one set apart. And I also don't mind stepping back and, and just like as a as a player, I like it when I can just step back and let the other players go. Now it's something I've come to really enjoy. So here's an easy example. I, I'm probably playing the weirdo of sorts, one of, uh, or yeah, probably a weirdo in, in for a reason in our current game that we're playing where we're all wizards because I'm a wizard with a 14 intelligence and like a 20 strength and con who's basically a fighter in a wizard's body, right? Right, right, right. And uh, I like to punch people and that's what I do. Like I wrestle people to the ground. I choke them out. I don't kill people. I don't use spells offensively. I don't believe magic should hurt other people. It's so very c- different than the outside of the central purview, right? So Correct. Where everybody else is what we would think of as a more traditional wizard, right? Like they fireball people and do stuff like that. Um, and what that means, because my character's not smart, I means not dumb by the standards of normal PCs, but in an all wizard game, the person with the 14 intelligence is dumb. You right. understand what I mean? Yep. Uh, it, you know, you can be a pretty smart person at your, at your, uh, you know, within your, your, at your local high school. But if you go to Harvard or something, you're probably in a different category or you understand what I mean there. Right. Yep. And, and I think the listeners do too. Yeah. Yeah. And so oftentimes what that means is that when the PCs get into real magic stuff, you know what I'm saying? As you would imagine happens in a wizard game where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we got to crack the code on this magic-y stuff. Let's do some magic-y investigation and magic-y solutions and things mm-hmm. like that. My character just, just steps back and says, my name's Paul, and that's between y'all. And I, I won't talk for like the next hour right. except to make a snide comment because my character's jerky like that and enjoys making snide, jokey comments. So, but that's but even then, that's two comments in the span of an hour probably, right? And that's fine. I don't mind stepping back like that. I actually you're still finding ways to, to be engaged when you're not engaged, which is good. Yeah, and it's kind even of even if it's just a little bit to watch everybody else go and just kind of interact. It gives you a different perspective. So I think that there's a lot of value to it. And I think when you play it like that, it yields a lot of fun for you, for your for your group, and certainly for the GM. And helps to, you know, my summary would be it can help to broaden the entire 
experience for everybody by adding in different perspectives as long as it's done responsibly. Please, weirdo, responsibly. That would be my summary. So that's the weirdo PC at the table, undesigned. Undesigned. As always, everybody, we thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Give us a little rating and review on iTunes. A little five star is always greatly appreciated. Or big five stars. Doesn't have to be little. Any size of five stars is pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow more stuff that I'm doing, you can check out on YouTube under Vincent Venturella. Uh, all of my stuff is there. It's all Warhammer and miniature related as my other passion in addition to role-playing games. Uh, but if you have questions, the email is down below. Feel free to shoot us some questions. We do love that. S- same with suggestions for future eps. But as always, thank you for listening to this one. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.